Your first eight guys maybe should be blue plate specials, but those back five guys, they should be more like tin hats, more guys that are grunt players, garbage players that dive for the ball. You are listening to the Scrambled Eggs Podcast on CrackedSidewalks.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome into Scrambled Eggs, your unofficial Marquette basketball podcast here on CrackedSidewalks.com. Joe McCann and Phil Bush here with you, and Phil, I am glad you have electricity and you're able to record this podcast oh my god it has been some 72 hours we have the butler game we're going to talk about i was without power for like 16 hours uh uh it's about to get to a balmy like high of seven degrees tomorrow we got a 14 inches of snow we have all the things going on so um this is gonna this is gonna be an interesting pod we got no winds we got no electricity our pets' heads are falling off. Oh, well, we at one point I did think, but, but Boomer, Boomer did have his head buried in a foot of snow and I couldn't see it. So, <laughs> you know, close. You know, I, I, we have a winter storm coming our way in Texas. And as you know, one flake of snow like shuts down the whole city here. So who knows? I may be... Uh, I may be bunkered in for a few days myself starting like on Sunday. So, yeah, I wanted to get this podcast out to you uh, now, uh, maybe in advance of the Villanova game. It'll probably probably won't pod during the week next week, so we'll get you through St. John's. So we'll talk Villanova and St. John's coming up in a bit. But before we do that, Phil, I think we're going to just throw out the therapy couch because uh, it just hasn't been working for us. Yeah, uh, uh, we're not going to lie down and talk about our feelings anymore. No, no. No, we're not going to do that. Uh, we are going to try to diagnose what is wrong with Marquette. Is it uh, a crisis? Is it fixable? How low do we need to dial back expectations now? Uh, I, I, I'm trying to think, where should we Let's just start with the Butler game itself and the uh, the free fall this team appears to be in because that, that Butler game, the 69-62 home loss to Butler, which ended Marquette's home winning streak, their Big East home winning streak, and really kind of sounded some alarm. We even said on the last podcast, Phil, if Marquette walked off a loser at home against Butler, there would be cause for concern. They did, and there is. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I think this is beyond the, like, right now, and again, lot, lots of season left. You know, we've seen, you know, I, I'm not saying, I'm not comparing this to UConn, but, you know, UConn last year lost six of eight in, in January, right? So, you, the, the, you can write the ship, but I think the, the crux of what I'm trying to say here is this is no longer a discussion around have expectations uh, changed. This is now a discussion around is the bottom falling out? Are, are we in crisis? What, what, you know, and again, I'm not giving the answer. I'm just saying we got to have that discussion because I don't know, you know, I, I feel like we got to talk through it. Yeah, I, I didn't get to listen to all of uh, Shaka's radio show this week, but the part, he did sound as dejected as ever have ever heard him as Marquette's coach. Um, now, granted, the, the the bar there, there's not much of a bar there because everything has pretty much been uh, seashells and balloons for the most part since he's taken the job because pretty much every first couple years it's been low expectations, high achievement. Like, wow, this has been great. Every uh, There haven't been many feelings of what the heck is wrong. This is the first time we've kind of had that feeling under Shaka Smart, and uh, I, I think he was, towards the end of that Butler game, I think he was just throwing stuff at the wall uh, saying, can can anything work in this game? And nothing was. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and that was the thing. I mean, you know, let's get into the, into the deets as they might say, but I mean, we shot 
five of 31 from three, right? A robust 16%. Um, you know, we shot 45% from two, 19 of 42. Um, we got to the line. We shot fairly well at the line, but only 11 attempts altogether. So, like, on the surface, just from a... a um, execution standpoint it, it would it has got to be frustrating um but then you throw on top of that the sean jones injury which i think if in the moment you thought he was going to be okay i don't know what to tell you because that was that was ugly and and i guess should, should we break down sean the sean news first should we talk about the the x's and o's of the game i, I do want to address I, I do want to address sean going forward, but I, I think I really want to dive into what happened in that loss, and you definitely hit on a few of them already. I, I mean, the obvious thing that it, I anybody could point out, 5 of 31 from three-point range is abysmal. It, yeah. it just just horrific. I mean, I, I, I genuinely think the walk-ons could get out there and throw up 31 threes, and they might get five of them to go in. Right. right. That is just, that is abysmal. And the, th- the thing that's most frustrating about it is um, and this is why I'm glad we like take a few days before we pod and can like dial back the emotions a bit and look at some numbers. The thing that's wild is they didn't take that many terrible threes, right? It was right. they had how many? It was 18 unguarded three-point shots, and only three of them went in. And especially when those unguarded threes are coming from Cam and Tyler, you want them shooting that every time. And if you run it back, you would say, "Yeah, shoot that." And it's just that just I think that's something that like spiraled as the game went along is they were for the most part taking good looks from three. There were not any like chucking it in traffic, fall away three point shots that just make you throw your hands in the air and say, "Whoa, what? What was that?" Right? right. There, were, I, I don't know if there were any of those. Th- they were taking good for the most part open looks from three, and they just didn't fall. And gosh, one of seventeen between Cam and Tyler. Holy cow! Like, what's going on there? But so, I'll just start there, Phil. Like, is it is this a just a fluke? Like the and like the worst kind of fluke? Like the absolute worst scenario market could possibly have from shooting threes in a game? Because as much as terrible as that loss felt, I feel if you run it back and play it the exact same way, market could easily win by 15 points if they just shoot close to what they normally would from three. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I'll, I'll answer the, the question first before I get into the breakdown. But I, I, I will say, and and I know some people might might assume, oh, Phil says everything's fine. Don't worry about it. It'll, it'll even out. But I do think, like, a big part of the result of Butler was it was an abysmal shooting night, right? Like, they had wide open looks. There is, there is a not too distant alternate universe where Marquette is up 17 at halftime in that game, as opposed to the, to the seven that they were right. Um, just because shots go in. And I think the other thing, you know, from a shooting standpoint, and this is where I say, you know, I don't remember hardly any and looking from the, the shot chart again, like you said, 18 unguarded, unguarded threes. They took as a team, they took uh, 31 so you know, over half of their threes were unguarded, which is which is crazy good, um, and and they just missed them. But like unlike past, when we were complaining about the three point shooting, if you looked at it, it was um, it was you know Stevie Mitchell is taking them, Sean Joseph is taking them, um, 
Zay Lowry is taking him. Ben Gold is taking him, right? Like, not our best shooters are taking him. In this case, Cam took 10. Tyler took 7. David Joplin took 7. Um, you know, obviously, Oso didn't take any. But of our starter, you know, Stevie Mitchell only took one. Didn't make it, but, you know, that's fine. You, you know, it's not like he took 27 and missed all of them. Um, so the starters, collectively alone went four for 25 that's crazy like that is not again if you're telling me every one of those was guarded that's fine then yeah bad shot selection but if you get four for 25 when you have mostly unguarded shots that's just abysmal shooting like mental yeah, from the guys you want there. and yeah yeah, the guys you want shooting. I mean, even if you take Stevie out of it and say it's four of twenty-four from, but like, pretty much in this order: Tyler, Cam, Joplin. Those are the guys you want shooting threes. Right, right, yeah, yeah. And and so it was, so it was abysmal shooting. And I think towards the end of the game, you could tell. And and you know, we talk about culture. And we talk, you know, you know, there's the phrase "win anyway." You know that the team rallies around stuff like that. But you could tell in the last seven, eight minutes, especially with Tyler, because Tyler has had two rough games in a row now. And and I'm not going to like blame Tyler or point, call him out as like, oh, doing a bad job. Dude's a 21-year-old kid, you know, trying to figure it out. They've not run into this challenge before. Seems to be a lid on the basket, basket despite good shots, right? There's all sorts of, you know, mental, you know, stuff that'll do to you. But they did in the last seven, eight minutes seem to get frustrated and let it affect the defensive end of the of the floor and let it affect the offense overall and we saw that at the end of the Seton Hall game too right I mean we saw a couple of runouts from Seton Hall where Tyler jacked a three or the offense just went still and didn't get back right so so there's there's a mental aspect to this that they're gonna have to unpack and I think that's the biggest thing is the mental piece versus the you know the X's and O. I don't. I don't see any issue with the X's and O. Yeah, that's that's the wild thing for me too. Is I, I think you get really hit it there. Is I think when you get to a game and you are like late in the game and you're shooting seventeen percent, sixteen percent from three, each miss is gets more and more frustrating. Right? It's just all right. Like I know we've shot terrible, but we're taking good shots. That, it's got to even out at some point, and it just never does. It's got to be mentally exhausting. Not to say yeah. like it's an excuse for letting it get to you on the other end because you still have to go down there and defend. But I could totally see myself in that situation quitting, like for lack of a better term. Like just saying, dude, it's not our night. This sucks, right? And I think they got to that point on um, on Wednesday. Like again, I'm not saying they quit in that sense of the word, but like at some point, it's just like. Yeah, where's this? On? Sucks. This is not our. Yeah, yeah. It, it and I think it mentally exhausted him. And yeah, I again, it, it, I hate coming down on one guy, but boy, Tyler is just in a. To say he's in a slump is insulting to slumps. He right. is in some kind of headspace right now that I don't know what he needs to do to get out of it. But his last few games, he he's been a real mess, and especially these last two. I mean. One of thirteen against Butler. Uh, he's been he's one of one for ten in his last two games. He's one of twelve in his last three. Um, just man, I, I don't know what's wrong with the kid. I hope there's nothing going on with him personally that's affecting him on the court. But 
I don't know if he needs a sports psychologist or what, but, man, he when he's that bad, it is really hard for Marquette to win. Yeah, you know, and what's interesting, though, is, like, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost exclusively shooting. And, yes, you do see him expressing it outward, right, which is not what you would necessarily expect, especially a team that's built around culture win anyway. But, again, I get it. Like, it's going to the, – the mental is going to affect the physical, right? Like, if you've got this block in your head – that man, I can't just, I, I just can't buy a bucket. You go to take a shot, you're going to leave it short, or you're going to think about the mechanics, or like you're going to try and, you know, direct it into the hoop instead of just letting it, letting it shoot. And, and you're going to see the negative consequences as a result. But what, what's interesting is if you look at his general stout stat line, like I know there was some chatter about, oh, he's turning the ball over more. He's not. Like he's, you know, he had three turnovers in each of the butler Seton Hall game, but he had four turnovers in the Creighton-Georgetown game. He had four turnovers in the Texas game. Like, you're going to see three or four turnovers from him, you know, in a game, right? That's that's just the style he's playing. He's also still yeah, it's doing... Yeah, like a power, hit, power hitter striking out, right? right. It's, just, it's part of the game, it's like, as long as he does his, like, everything else. Right, exactly. And he's, and he's you know, he's, he's rebounding. He's getting his assists. He had eight assists, four four rebounds in that game against Butler. So he's doing the other stuff. It's not like he's you know quitting on the defensive end. But yeah, he went one for thirteen on the the uh, uh, on the game, which resulted if you follow Ken Palm numbers, that is. Uh, I'm trying to scroll all the way down to the bottom. Um, that is, the, he got a forty-one uh, offensive rating. Um, from Ken Palm, which is by far his lowest of the season. But not only that, it is the lowest in the last two seasons that he's ever had. So Yeah, I was going to say, that, that might have to be his worst ever. It, it had to he had, to he it. had some stinkers yeah. his first year. So, like, he got his lowest okay. six against St. Bonaventure. But we don't need to talk about that. But, again, right. functionally on the offensive end, his worst game in 18 months um, which comes on the heel of a not great game against Seton Hall. I just, I don't, I, you know, and, and again, it's not all Tyler's fault. Cam didn't play well either, and Cam's been in a pretty significant shooting slump himself for the last, you know, yeah. month. Um, you know, Oso did his part, stuff like that. Now, now Cam did come out on fire in that game, got 12, 12 points off, uh, or 16 points off of layups. That's great. Um, all that stuff, but so I don't want to say it's just Tyler, but you know, just there, there's, there's, there's a pure and simple. There's a mental there, and I don't want to lead the witness, but it makes me wonder: is there something that's to be done? Like, I wonder whether are we actually scouted, or like, are we just like in our own brains? Yeah, that's it's it's happening more and more. It makes me think there is something wrong in the locker room. Like I said, Cam Cam really hasn't had a good three-point shooting game since Texas on December 3rd. Right. I mean, th- since that game, uh, that game he went 5 of 8 from 3. Since then, 1 of 4 against Notre Dame, 2 of 4 against St. Thomas. I mean, that's fine. That's 50%, but it's a blowout, so he didn't have to shoot many. But then after that, Providence, 1 of 6. Georgetown, 1 of 7. 2 of 9 against Creighton, 3 of 10 against Seton Hall, 1 of 10 against Butler. So it, this has been like a month-long thing for Cam from 3. Yeah, yeah. And when, when both Cam and Tyler are throwing up a lot of bricks. There is not enough shooting on this team to make up for that. Um, and, yeah, it, it just makes me wonder, like, did somebody tinker with their shot? 
in the in the last right two or three weeks uh it, are it, are their arms getting tired or like they I wish there was something you could diagnose to say, oh, well, that's why they're shooting poorly. Or is it just a just a terrible coincidence that Marquette's two elite shooters, guys who were, I don't know, about eight weeks ago, both shooting better than 40% from three, is this just a very brutal regression to the mean? And hopefully it evens out very soon because, wow, it, it this when both of those guys can't make a three, this offense is really tough to watch because, again, there's just not enough there to make up for that. Right. Well, and it, and it wasn't just the threes missed, right? It was also twos. You know, yes, Cam went eight for 12, so okay. But, but yeah, Tyler, see, Cam got that fixed early like yes. in that game. Like, Cam started hot with the layups. I'm like, okay, well, here comes Cam, and now he's just got to expand it out the three. But it didn't come around that way. Like, his two, he was doing a great job getting to the basket early, but, yeah, then he goes one of ten from three. It's like, okay, well, another rough game. Right. Well, and what's, what's crazy to me is, you know, the other thing to look at it, and, and – Using using synergy, like in the Butler game, um, Marquette shot uh, shot thirty one threes, right? But from a layup perspective, so the way you know the way synergy breaks down the shots types, it's that you you've got any shots at the rim they're classified under layup, dunk, and tip, right? Marquette got between layup, dunks, and tips. Marquette got thirty four two point attempts in that game. Which is the most they've gotten in a month, right? So again, they're still getting to the rim. It's not like yes, they took a lot of threes, but they also took a lot of twos. They got a lot of shot ups. They weren't. They weren't. You know, I'm, I'm just looking to see. I don't think they were. I don't recall many blocks. There were two blocks by Butler that entire game. So you know, we we had 34 shots at the rim with two blocks and shot 45, 40, 45% from two, like. Again, I, I you know, I, I'm trying to look at is shot selection the problem? Are we getting shots? Are we getting open looks? And everything in the stats says that Butler game was a complete shooting aberration, right? But that doesn't right. it, it it doesn't solve the problem. Yeah, it's just uh, looking at the box score. When you get 20 more field goal attempts than your opponent. You think you would have about a good shot of that, but yeah, it was 19 to be specific. But yeah, Butler attempted 54 field goals, Marquette attempted 73, and so <laughs> most nights you would think that translate to not just a win but a blowout win. Right. I mean, Marquette had uh, uh, I mean, forced Butler into 18 turnovers. Marquette actually had a pretty good night rebounding the basketball. They had 15 offensive rebounds, um, but yeah, it's just. Again, I, I, Mike, I can only hope, and I think this is kind of what I think some people expressed on Twitter, that this is rock bottom, that they will never have a game shooting that bad again. Maybe they'll have, I mean, there's 15 games left to Biggie's play. They'll have some more bad games offensively. But hopefully this is the absolute worst shooting performance this team has. I, that, and that is just the one thing I'm going to cling on to uh, until I see something worse. And, oh, boy, if there's something worse than that, I don't know if I want to watch that game. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, for the first 30 minutes of that game, and, yes, I know, you know, Butler went on a 24-7, um, you know, run to start the, the second half in that in that third 10-minute se- sequence. But, um, like, the defense was fine. The defense was adequate, adequate, especially against Butler. So it's not like, you know, oh, you know, this was going to be if they had been a below-average offense, the defense would have gotten them over the finish line. They would have won that game, maybe not in a blowout fashion, but you know, the the defense held Butler to to sixty-nine points. 
this offense should be able to get to 70 points, you know, relatively straightforward, especially against a questionable Butler defense. So, you know, and that's why I keep stumbling over, and and we'll we'll get to it because I kind of tweeted it out to the to the universe. But I, I I'm a I'm a little bit I have a theory in my head, but I'm a little bit at a loss for words what the fix what what the break is and and therefore what the fix is right because and I think the other thing that makes it perplexing is Butler followed Seton Hall and Seton Hall was I would argue a bad result as well. Some of it was bad shooting, but then again, also they kind of lapsed defensively and stuff. So you you bookend the week with those with those losses, and you can't help but go, oh my God, are we broken? But if you dig into the numbers, you know, in the statistics, in the analytics, and all that stuff, I don't know that they're broken, but the results are real. It, it's like the process is just fine, but the results are absolutely aberrational. That that is my hope too. I'm 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 wondering if there was like uh, just some kind of weird Maui Invitational curse that took effect last week. Because <laughs> if you remember, yeah, who who lost to unranked teams last week? Marquette, Kansas, Purdue, Tennessee, Gonzaga. Yep. All lost to unranked teams, and UCLA got blown out by 46 points. It's the uh, it's the Maui curse, or or the Honolulu yeah, and, curse. And, that Maui cursed yeah, us because I, we played in Honolulu. I'm convinced. He's yeah, convinced. Uh, that's that that uh, that, and it just it all happened last week. And I hope it was just like a one week thing and it goes away. But uh, but yeah, before we get to some of your responses from uh, Twitter, Phil, I do want to touch on the Sean Jones injury because it does it sucks. Um, uh, is a kid who had really kind of come into his role this year as an energy guy off the bench. Uh, certainly looked like a guy who could take over as the lead point guard next year if Tyler Kolick were to move on uh, after this, which is his senior year, though he does have a COVID year to use if he wants it. Uh, but for Sean to go down with what they described as an ACL injury, they did not specifically say ACL tear, but if he's out for the season, I can't imagine it's anything other than an ACL tear. There's uh, really nothing else you can do to your ACL. So. Yeah. Like, I mean, can you, I mean, I guess you could sprain sprain it, it, but that would put you out. You can't sprain the ACL. Because a sprain is a form of a tear. uh, Yeah, okay. He tore his ACL. Yes. But, yeah, it's, what I look at it, Phil, is obviously it hurts Marquette's depth. We talked about this on the last podcast. It means you have to look at the freshman a little more, freshman who I've shown to not really be ready for this level. Um, But I think, like, if you lose Sean... It's an injury you could bounce back from and maybe manage. If you lose Chase Ross, it's an injury maybe you can manage. But to lose Chase and Sean, and we don't know how long Chase is going to be out. Hopefully he comes back at some point in Big East play, but we don't know right now with his shoulder injury, which has been described as a separation. To lose both of those guys right now, Marquette is down to, like, I guess that means six rotation players right, right now. Uh that's bad news, man. Uh, and so now th- those freshmen have got to grow up fast. And th- that's a, a concern for me because they've looked overwhelmed for the most part when they've been in there uh, against stronger competition. Yeah, I mean, they, may, they looked all right when they go in there against St. Thomas or whatever. But um, something's got – I mean, these guys have got to – they're going to have to embrace their roles and settle in – just maybe just do the little things to help Marquette win because Marquette needs minutes now because I, you can't have, um, you know, 
a lot of these guys playing like 35 minutes a game every night because you need that support from your bench. And right now there's only one guy, one healthy player coming off of it regularly, and that's Ben Gold. Um, so you're going to need something from Zade Lowry, Trey Norman, or maybe even Al Amadou at some point because uh, the, the depth is hurting right now. Well, yeah, and I mean, you know, when you think about it, there's 200 minutes available in a game, and and Chase and, and Sean were, you know, roughly speaking, consuming, you know, 35 minutes out of that 200. So those those minutes have to go somewhere, right? And you can probably, you know, Tyler can go up, you know, two minutes a game, you know. So every, let's assume all the starters and Ben Gold, you know, go up two minutes a game. That's still 12 of 35 minutes. Those, you know, those 23 minutes got to come from somewhere else. Um, not to mention Chase and Sean were your sixth and seventh man off the bench, right? No, no shade of Ben Gold, but like he's a very specific player right now. Like he's not just a general, okay, well, you know, Ben, ben Gold, we'll, we'll just maximize his minutes and we'll be good. That's not what's going to happen. Yeah, he can come in and play point guard. Right, right. And, and so, you know, and, and that's what's going to be interesting. Now, the, the benefit we have is our offensive sets, um, you know, we don't really have, you know, yes, Tyler Kolick is a point guard and distributes. He gets a lot of, lot of assists. But, you know, Oso Iguodaro gets a lot of assists. You know, we, we can kind of spread the assists around. So I'm not worried about the half court in terms of the point guard. And I'm not necessarily even worried about, you know, the old school, like, hey, when uh, – when Travis Diener decided to uh, <clears throat> tackle a dummy um, and and broke his hand, um, you know, then we were playing point forward and and we're just turning the ball over left and right because we couldn't even get it across the timeline. I'm not worried about that, but it is just the depth of we don't have a primary ball handing handling guard waiting to take over. Um, so we so we're we're out of that. And Trey Norman and Zay Lowry aren't those things either so the team is going to have to structure its approach a little bit differently because Zaid and and Trey they're they're going to have to play double digit minutes in games going forward right between the two of them at a minimum they're going to have to consume 15 minutes yeah and like there may be some games where uh, the starters do play like 35 minutes but for those five minutes when they're not playing you're gonna have to have somebody in there right um and to your point, yeah, the thing is, Marquette has ball handlers, but they all start, right? right. Cam, Stevie, and Tyler, right? So you, you, when Tyler needs a break, it's going to have to be Cam or Stevie uh, essentially playing point guard. Um, I mean, I guess Trey has handled the ball a little bit, but I don't know if you, you, how much you trust him to be the lead guard out there. Right. So, yeah, and the thing is, uh, we'll, we'll see how these guys do. Maybe Trey is just a guy who needs, like, more minutes to get in a rhythm and be comfortable out there. And when he only gets like two minutes at a time, he maybe presses or just doesn't get his head all the way in the game. That's why he struggled when he's been in there against tougher competition. But I do think Zade Lowry is more ready for his role than Trey mm-hmm. is for his. Trey, I mean, when Marquette was searching for literally anything against Butler, Zade gave him that. I mean, he got a dunk. He hit a three-pointer. He played all right on defense. He's got good size. He can rebound. Um, so I, I would expect Zade to be the first guy off the bench uh, in the next game. Um, I, I think he's earned that. I think he's ready for that. Now, again, he's not going to handle the ball. When he comes in, It's if it's four, if, if Tyler's going to the bench, it's going to be Cam or Stevie running the point. Um, but in, like, 
Zayn will be coming and playing the three. But, but yeah, to your point, Trey's going to have to play two, um, whether he's ready or not. And that's got to be an emphasis of practice, you know, since Wednesday is like, look, Trey, we need you to be ready. And Zayn, you too. Um, I, I, and, again, I don't know how much Al would bring you at this point, but, again, if you need another body, right. you may have to keep going deeper on the bench. Well, and Al, you know, of the of the three freshmen that are quote unquote eligible, um, you know, Al is the one I least want to see playing. Like, and I understand there's a bit of a cult of, hey, Al's an energy guy. Let's let's get him out there. Um, but you know, again, we've got Ben Gold, we've got David Joplin, we've got Oso Igadaro. You can rotate those three guys, and if you have to, you know, you can even go small and play one big and 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 four guards right like we we have flexibility there that we shouldn't have to go to al unless it really makes sense i'm not happy for the circumstances or i'm not excited in the circumstances but i am curious like can trey and zayed zayed um get like contiguous minutes and kind of build confidence and and start to play well i mean the biggest grind is, you know, the next two games, Villanova at home and St. John's on the road. You know, those are going to be some crucibles. Um, so it's going to be trial by fire for them. Um, but but I do think, you know, they've underwhelmed to date for what kind of the hype and what we thought they would develop into. But I don't think it's a lack of talent. I don't think it's a, a, a lack of no. physicality. I, I just, they haven't had, when they've had minutes, they haven't, you know, instantly been able to make the most of it. They're gonna they're gonna have extended minutes. So now we're really gonna see, hey, you know, is this a a Jamal Kane situation, right? Like one of the biggest issues I always had with with Wojo is like he had such a quick hook with Jamal. Like Jamal. He's he just like, oh, you made a mistake, but we're gonna pull you, right? Um and and like we're we're not going to have that quick hook with Zayden and Trey. Yeah, and you're certainly right about Jamal, who is in the NBA right now. Um, yeah, he went to Oakland and finally got to play minutes and, and did very well. But um, but yeah, I but now I will say like he put uh, Shaka put Trey in there in the Seton Hall game. And he yeah. went out and made one terrible mistake and put and put Sean Jones right back in there with four fouls because he couldn't trust him. But, um, but yeah, I think to some extent he is going to have to let the freshman play through some mistakes, uh, and just hopefully they're just not mistakes that really kill you in the game. But I think shock. That being said, shock is obviously going to have to lean heavily, heavily on his starters uh, if he's going to win games coming up. Because yeah, there there's not a whole lot of let up in the schedule. Um. Next week looks tough. Uh, we'll t- get to those games in a minute, but yeah, uh, Marquette is going to be severely tested with its depth until if Chase comes back. I mean, I hope Chase does, but they—I mean—they haven't ruled him out for the season yet. But who knows? The thing is, we have no like feel for it, right? We don't know if right. it's going to be a week. We don't know if it's going to be a month. We don't know if he's out for the season. All those things are possible. Right. Yeah. And and it's and it's just pure sec- speculation at this point. So. That, and that's going to add to the the fan base fan base angst, right? Like that's that's part of the thing is, you know, for eighteen months here, we, like you said, we were you know we were kind of under promising and over delivering, right? And now in December, it's kind of flipped now where we're over promising and under delivering. The over promise being expectations of a national championship, and the under delivering being 
we've looked questionable and or lost games that we probably shouldn't have that really make it questionable. I mean, I don't think this, but I also understand if someone were to be like, are we a bubble team, right? Like, just based on how the last month and a half has gone, there there's a not unreasonable opinion that says, hey, we're, we're not a good team and we're going to end up on the bubble. I don't agree, but it's out there, right? It's a, it's a, yes. it's a tick. Yes, and yeah, from the doomsayers, yes, that's probably where you are. And to be fair, uh, if November didn't count, that's exactly what Marquette is right now. But fortunately, November games count just as much as January and February games. And Marquette's November was awesome, like absolutely awesome, and that gave them enough wiggle room that, despite um, the last month being as brutal as it has been. I think Alan Bukowski still had Marquette barely as a three seed in his mm-hmm. latest bracketology on crack sidewalks. And I think all the other brackets that I've seen have Marquette as a four. So still a long way to fall. Now, we've seen teams do that. Not I'm not talking Marquette teams, but we have seen teams take horrific tumbles between January and March. Um, and if Marquette continues to play the way it has, say, since the middle of December, yeah, they could get to a point where they're sweating on Selection Sunday. Uh, I'm hoping it doesn't get to there, that point, but... Yes, it, like again, if you if you're only paying attention to this team since the first week of December, yeah, I understand the bubble team discussion because that's basically what they've played like. But November counts just as much. The wins over Illinois, UCLA, who stinks now in Kansas, and a strong effort against Purdue—that all matters. That all counts. Right. Yep. So okay. good. One, one, one last thing I'll say about the freshmen: maybe we as a fan base have been spoiled by past freshmen a little bit. Um, like I think each of the past few years, there's been a, at least one freshman who's made the fan base say, "Wow, we really got one here!" Right? Like, right. Last year it was Chase. Like last year, Chase came onto the scene and like, "Wow, this kid looks like he is ready and he is poised." Uh, the year before that, it was Cam. Uh, Cam came out like expectations. I don't know how they weren't all that high for Cam uh, coming in, but he immediately proved to be just a uh, just an incredible scorer and a great shooter off the bench. It looks like he had a bright future, and he has. And that's who he is now. He's a star for Marquette. The year before that, even, the last year of Wojo, it, Justin Lewis was probably a pleasant surprise. I mean, Dawson Garcia had all the hype being the McDonald's All-American, but I think everyone came away from that season more impressed with Justin, even though he had some injury issues. Um, more impressed with Justin that year than Dawson, right? Um, yeah. So I think we've always had like a freshman who wowed us, maybe played above expectations. And maybe we, for that reason, maybe we set our expectations for these freshmen a little too high. Um, but I think they've been okay in their limited minutes. Maybe what you would typically expect from a freshman with the recruiting rankings that they had. Um, like, like neither one of them was like a top 25 five-star recruit. I mean, they were good recruits. They were four-star recruits, top 100 guys, uh, maybe even fringe top 100 guys. But um, I, I think they're fine for what you would expect from what they were evaluated to be coming in. So I think from that perspective, maybe we had a little bit too high of expectation that one freshman would wow us. And there hasn't been a wow, but they've been fine. But we do need to take them... I don't need. We, I don't know if we necessarily need them to be a wow yet. We just need them to be a little more than what they have been. Right. Right. Yeah. It's it's like one of those. I, I don't need you to do your best. I need you to do my best. Like just like we we need them to 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 come a, along a little bit further, and then we'll we'll see where it, where it goes. But you know we're gonna have we're gonna have two months here to figure that out, right? Dude, have you been have you been watching my TV show lately? What, which that TV was like show? literally in the last. 
like, like the oh. show I produce, Sports Stars Tomorrow. Oh no, I like, have not. Like, no, like literally in the last episode that aired, uh, we had an interview with Tim Tebow, uh, and like the last question we asked him was, "If you were to give advice to a young athlete, what would you give?" And his answer was literally, "Don't try to be the best; try to be your best." Mm. Mm. This is hilarious that you said that right now because because that quote was like in my head. Cause like, oh, that's a nice little soundbite. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's it, it, it's okay. that it's that whole Vulcan mind meld thing going. Ruth Bader Ginsburg going on. Okay, well, very, very good. All right, so uh, we've been talking for quite a while. Do you, you want to get to a few comments from the uh, fans who responded to you, and then we could uh, do a quick breakdown of Nova St. John's and get out of here? Yeah, for sure. And and we could do this quick. I did, you know, kind of lay the land out for those that are not online or not, not following on X Twitter, um, is um, I just said, all right, be nice about it, but tell me what you think is wrong with this team. So what I'm going to do is going to read through some tweets, and I want – you joe to to kind of react do you, do you think that's you know there's some validity there is it crazy sauce you know kind of what that is and we'll just kind of go through and may, maybe we come up with a couple of things that that we say hey yeah that makes some sense so these are these are people's hypotheses um and all right just, let's we'll, go through some hypotheses this hypothesis. um all right so mark lrn says my wife thinks tk is hurt okay um, but I think everyone is caught on this, uh, caught onto the system they run, and there needs to be something done that changes it up a bit. Also, being the hunter versus the hunter last season could be it. No chip on their shoulders this year. So we've really got three things in there: TK hurt, uh, the system's been scouted, and we're we're just not playing with an edge because we're now the hunted. Okay, lots of breakdown there. Uh, yeah. Quick, just a quick, quick reacts. I have no reason to believe Tyler is hurt, but when a player has a minor injury, it is never reported in college right. hoops, right? It's like it's like a player will play, just generally speaking, a player may play terrible for a month, and then when the season ends, the team will announce, oh, yeah, this player is going to have shoulder surgery tomorrow. Like, oh. <laughs> right. right. It's, not like the, was hurt. it's not like the NFL where they have the doubtful, questionable, you know, uh, yeah. available kind of injury report, like, None of that occurs. They just they either play or right before the game they get, you know, somebody goes on Twitter and says, "Hey, person is not playing." So we don't know. I, I don't. I don't see yeah, anything. I, yeah, I have no evidence against it, but I can't say you're wrong because right. again, we like we could say like the season could end and they could say, "Yeah, Tyler is having hand surgery tomorrow." I'm like, oh, okay. But no, I have no. There's there's nothing to make me believe Tyler is hurt, but. It's a it's a plausible theory, but again, no evidence of that. Um, have we been scouted? Uh, again, eighteen wide open looks from three. Eighteen or not wide open, but you know what I mean. Eighteen unguarded, unguarded looks from three. A- eighteen unguarded, and I guess by synergy's definition, unguarded means there's not a defender in the de- like defensive position when the shot goes up. Is right. basically what an unguarded three is. So um, you take that every time. Now I do wonder if teams are doing a much better job of stopping Tyler from going left. And I think, like, when Tyler first burst onto the scene, even though maybe you know in the scattering report he's left-handed, like, the surprise, like, oh, wait, he actually is left-handed, and that means he's going left. Which they, you know, they say, like, being left-handed is a slight advantage in Kyle, in basketball in general just because opponents are used to guarding a right-handed player. Right. Going right, shooting with his right. That's where you put your hand up. But I, I think now that pe- people are locked in, it's like, okay, he's going left, he's going left, he's a lefty. Keeping on that left hand, uh, so maybe there is a little bit to that. Um, 
but I like I don't I can't believe we've been scouted so much that it can't be fixed the other way. Okay, okay, well they've got a counter, so we need a counter to the counter. Right. Um. So maybe there is some truth to that, but I I think it's fixable. Uh. And so uh, what was the third part? Uh, the third one was um that the the hunter versus the hunted, and they're just not playing with a chip on their shoulder. Uh probably some truth to that, honestly. Yeah. Like. Yeah. There, there's there's probably you know, there, there's I mean, something to be said for motivation. Yeah. yeah, there's something to be said for motivation when you have that number next to your names, like oh, number ten teams in the country coming in. We want to beat these guys, as opposed to oh, these guys are predicted ninth. Uh, we you know we got Connecticut next week, so these guys are predicted ninth. Um, we'll be fine here, and then they weren't fine. So right. maybe there's a little bit of that. Yeah, I, I, there. I mean, we spent the first ten minutes of the pods saying the word mental many times, so there has to be a mental element. All right, next one from uh, from Ben Schneider. Um, I haven't worn a Marquette shirt. I got watch- Ben. Yep, you got you got Ben. I haven't worn a Marquette sh- shirt watching a game in a bit. We can see if that works. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Is it Ben's Problem fault? Problem solved. Like, should we blame Ben? Yeah, yeah, Ben. Uh, wear your shirt on Monday, and if Marquette wins, it's been your fault the whole time. Done. Yep, 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 yep. Um, okay, here's one, and and uh. JT Conway, Johnny C. Tweet says, we need at least at least a viable three-point threat on the court. Once Butler sensed we weren't making the threes, they could cheat outside or out inside the arc and gunk up the driving lanes, which meant we couldn't get make those either. Love the second chances Marquette got though. So basically he's saying we don't have any three-point shooters on the team, and teams are sagging off and clogging the lane. Um I mean, the thing is, we have three-point shooters. They're just not playing like three-point shooters. Right. right? They're like, the, the, the three-point shooters are out there. They just haven't been playing that way. Uh, I think that goes back to the simple point we've made in like the first 30 minutes of this podcast. This team needs to shoot better from three. And if they do, that opens up other things. And I, I think, yeah, Butler probably got a sense as that game went along. He's like, well, these guys are just broke as hell. Like, they're not going right. to make anything. Right. Uh, yeah, so he, that's probably a fair analysis of the Butler game. But um, it's like having a three-point shooter out there at all time, Marquette has that. They're just not making them. Right. Yeah. Agreed. And I think there's there's a theme, you know, this, so the next one, so Benny G, um, I think this represents a series of, and I, and spoiler alert, I tend to, to lean this direction, but he said, one, missing open shots is wearing them down mentally and causing guys to force. But two, they're not going quick enough on O. I rewatched the first half versus Illinois and they pushed the ball and got before the defense gets set. It seems we're giving defenses time to clog up the lane since shots aren't falling. Mm. I, I mean, yeah, I think we that 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 first part. I think we've gone over just uh, just ad nauseum the the, the frustration thing. That right. that's perfectly logical. That it, when you're taking good shots and you're missing, uh, it's just like, wait, what did I do wrong there? I there's. I didn't do anything wrong, as opposed to again. If it was, it's not like they're going out there taking fadeaway contested uh, Kobe threes that are bouncing out. Then you could right. go to the bench and say, "Okay, well that was a stupid thing I just did. I just shouldn't do that." But when you're taking a wide open, you know, clear unguarded three in rhythm, and it goes and it rims out, it's like, dude, I didn't do anything wrong there. What happened? And it's happened four times in a row. What's going on here? That has to be mentally taxing, certainly. Um, uh, certainly understandable. Uh, and again, what was the second thing he said? Um, the second thing he said was not going quick enough on O. Basically, okay, earlier right, in right. the season, we were transitioning quite rapidly. 
Um, maybe. But I, I guess I haven't noticed that. I, I, I would maybe have to, like, watch film to agree or disagree. Surprise, folks. I don't watch film. I watch the games and I turn them <laughs> off. Um, maybe. Yeah, it, it certainly would fix the uh, the problem of not being able to get to the basket, right? I, you know, because they've been very good uh, for the most part. They've still been pretty good from two, but it's been it fades as the three point fades, because which we talked about in the previous question. So, um, if you can get a turnover and go, great. But um, yeah, careful yeah. there. So make- yeah, yeah, because you can get. I mean, they one could argue their shots are sped up, right? Not that they're going fast, but that they're, that they're just sped up. And if you get out transition rapidly that would could has the potential to also speed you up especially when you're trying unfortunately to, our no, go finish your thought no i, I was just going to say especially if you're trying to make transition buckets if you think there's a lid on the on the hoop especially in the two point when you're in rap moving rapidly in transition there's there you're a lot less settled when you're trying to make that shot so that has the risk of doubling down on the mental block yeah. The only thing I was going to add is, unfortunately, our best guy at going fast is now out for the season. That's so, true. Yeah, that that's is a bummer. true. But we can still run. Mar- right. Marquette can still run. Um, right. But uh, our best, our fastest guy is out for the season, and that yeah. sucks. So I, I, there's, I'm going to make an amalgamation of, of one thought that was out there, and then we'll do one more really quick and move on. But the amalgamated thought was there were a fair number of people that were like, well, the problem is, is that Joplin is now a starter and isn't part of the second unit so that's you know we're getting beat because the second unit doesn't have enough scoring um and i will say off the jump i I don't think we're talking about i mean david joplin hasn't been flashy flashy but we've talked about it a little bit but just collectively i mean he's doing a good job of being a scorer when we need him to be a scorer but also doing the little things offensive and defensive you know uh, rebounding defense all of that stuff. So David Joplin as a problem, I don't see that. But I guess the, the connotation is, hey, he's he needs to be more of a, you know, coming off the bench, I guess, to, you know, to, to create a, a second unit. Yeah. Um, see, I don't know. The thing is, this isn't like hockey where five guys come on and five guys right. go off. Right. Like the, the first guy, like, Right now, there's probably only six guys Shaka really trust to be out there. So, you know, if, if Joplin were to come off the bench, I guess that means you're starting Ben Gold or Zade Lowry. Right. Um, and then Joplin comes in for one of those guys, and that fixes I, – I don't – like, if you want Joplin out there with the starters, he should be out there with the starters. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know if shuffling that changes much for me. Um because yeah, because again, it's not like Joplin would be running out there with four other guys who are not Oso, Camp, Stevie, and Tyler, and you need him to lead those other four guys. Uh, he's probably playing with at least three. If he, whoever comes off the bench is probably running with at least three other starters. So, right. uh, I mean, th- th- it's really just a, the question we've talked about ad nauseum is the depth concern. Marquette just d- is not deep. Um, and there's really, again, there's only six guys that Shaka kind of six healthy players that Shaka trusts right now. Uh, so yeah, I, again, if at this point, if you're moving Joplin to the bench and you're starting either Ben or Zade, um, yeah, I don't know if that's going 
granted, I could do, I could be wrong, and they could try it, and maybe wow, that's like Joplin coming off the bench, changing things. But I, I think you want as many minutes as you can from David Joplin right now, considering your other options. Yeah, so, I, I tend to yeah, agree, I, and and I agree. There's not really a second unit concept in in basketball, especially college basketball. But I, the other thing I would point out is David Joplin's usually the first person subbed out in sub capacity, mm-hmm. and then he goes to the bench and then comes back in. So he plays. You know, I'd have to have we, we'd have to have paint touches or somebody go look and see, you know, what are the lineups that have David Joplin the most in. But I, I do think generally he's in, you know, a fair number of not all starter lineups. So I don't know that bringing him off the bench is going to make a difference. You know, once once those starters are in three or four minutes, then they start jumbling the lineups and they're just trying to create lineups that are are advantageous. So I, you know. Maybe you're going to tweak a button uh, a minute here or there, but again, I don't think moving him to the bench is going to do anything. Um, so last yeah, one, I, I agree. Last last one, and this he he provided. Well, I, I'll provide both theories, but you know, I, I I don't know if we need to go into depth on both, but I thought they were interesting. So last one, Samuel Van Orr says theory one: Shaka's approach to practice is a little too coach Thibs like Tibbs like. And the boys have no legs, which impacts shooting. So that's theory one. Theory two is it's more of a, a grumpy old man take, but the team needs to get off the internet and stop engaging with an opposing fans. Distracted. Okay. First thing, I'll take the first thing first. Shaka, I have, I don't know, I'm not in his practices. What are they, again, are they beating the crap out of each other in practice. Uh, the only thing I have from practice is what maybe the official account would tweet out. It's, it's like it, That honestly is news to me. Is Shaka known for brutal practices? No. No, not that I know okay. of. And, so and again, I, I, I'm sure I, he hasn't I don't know changed that. practices since last season, right? Yeah, so I'm kind of rejecting that one right off the bat. Okay, so the off-the-internet thing is funny, uh, but not incorrect, I would say. So like, I'll say this. Look, I, there are some folks from other fan bases that I follow on Twitter. Uh, they love watching Tyler Kolek struggle, right? Yep. They are just absolutely loving it because they hate him. And we've even said it in the past that Tyler's one of those guys, if he's on your team, you love him. But if he's not, you probably just loathe him. And uh, now, yeah, yeah, Tyler did go on Instagram, did the middle finger picture before the season, is known to chat chatter with opposing, opposing fans in the other arena. Um, but that's kind of all part of his swagger and what gets under their skin, right? And right. Like, I don't know if I would necessarily tell him to stop being him, but I would also say uh, when you talk smack and go one of 13, you're kind of inviting that stuff, right? Right, and, right. Uh, yeah, the, the opposing fans love it. Again, I, I, I there are a few Connecticut, Georgetown, Villanova fans I follow. They think Tyler struggling is absolutely hilarious, and I can't blame them because if there was a player like Tyler on another team that was playing like this, I'd be loving it too. So um, I guess my answer is he's not incorrect maybe there, but I like also I don't – but I would stop to the point to say I don't know if this is a team that is like super online and like – responding to fans and chatting with fans online and things like that. I don't granted I don't follow many of them on social media. So I don't know what their online habits are 
and I haven't like had people point out to me, oh, look what Cam said, or look what right. Sean said, or look what David said. I've never gotten in. I haven't seen any of that. Maybe they have, but I, I haven't. So I like I don't think they're a super online team, as far as like, uh, you know, going back and forth with fans or whatnot. But I certainly understand why you would say that, especially when it comes to Tyler, um, our guy over at No Escalators, the UConn account, calls him Mister Instagram because of mm. some of his posts, which, again, as an opposing fan base, I'll totally understand it. I would understand why you love it. Um, from our perspective, yeah. It would Again, I, I've come off like a total boomer saying, like, oh, I wish you wouldn't do that and act like a professional. Nah, I don't know if I want to go there. Um, because, again, when he's when he's hot, when he's cooking, and we've played like he was last year, that's part of the swagger and part of the, the thing that gets under opponent's skin and really annoys him, and it just, like, fuels – that's, like, his superpower, right? Right. So I don't know if I necessarily want him to stop. I would rather him – I would rather just the team win more and then all the online stuff or photos and stuff, then they're funny, and then we enjoy them. Right. But I understand why other – fan bases and maybe even some other fans who just again are used to a more business-like approach from their athletes would say something like that yeah and i, and I think your your use of the word swagger is exactly right like i i don't know that this team is i have no evidence one way or the other to say this team is more online than others or letting you know let and i and i suppose you could interpret you know the statement from 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 that twitter post as more of oh they're reading their own press clippings or they're in their head about their own, you know, expectations. Uh, okay, that, that, that there may be some element to that. But I think the key is, like, you mentioned it with Tyler, certainly Cam, David Joplin. They, part of their package is they play with swagger, right? Like, that is, they've got personality. They're outgoing. You know, Cam turning around during the Kansas game after three goes up and without even watching it and kind of looking at the Kansas bench or dapping up Dwayne Wade or, you know, David Joplin dunking the ball and and hitting up Jay Crowder, right? Like, that's part of the, like, the energy of the team. That's almost part of the culture. So if you tamp yeah. that down, the team isn't the team. And I don't, like, so that's where I'm like, if they're reading their press clippings and going, oh, I think we should win every time because we're just great and that's it. All right, maybe there's a point. But if it's like a reaction to the swagger, that's just part of the deal. Yeah, then it's not fun, right? right? I mean, these are 19, 20, 21-year-old guys. Um, I hesitate to call them kids because I guess maybe compared to you and me, they're kids. But, I mean, they are adults, but still right. they are young guys. And they're having fun. Um, so, like, don't make it, like, business-like. Say, hey, don't don't chat. Don't Like, don't don't celebrate. Just run down like you've done it before. I, I can't get there. I, right. I, no, that's, that, that's a pass for me. Let them have fun. Uh, but, again... It's more fun when you win and more fun when you make shots. So Right. Well, and again, um, a lot of the a lot of the hate is just going to come from, you know, we we won a couple of Big East titles. Like the Yukon accounts, it still it drives me up a wall that the Yukon account not doesn't drive me up a wall cuz it really doesn't I just laugh about it because they'll they'll tweet stuff about Marquette and like, "Oh, Marquette this or oh, I I wish I could feel bad, but I don't cuz they're Marquette." And it's like, "You won a national title." Why are you like? Yes, we're struggling, but why do you care about us? I guarantee you, if I win a national title, I will not care about whatever any other team is doing. Like that's the thing that's funny to me is like other fan bases reacting to us, being like, "Oh, you know that fan base sucks or that team sucks because they're they're full of swagger." It's like, what do you care? We're not a f like fine. Go beat us, whatever. Like 
you know, that's that's why I don't want to change either. Like, f them, right? Like, just we're we're gonna go do our thing, and and it should yes. at some point work out. Yes, hopefully it will work out starting Monday. Yes, Phil. Uh, <laughs> as we. Uh, Transition to let's talk about the upcoming games again. I'm not sure we're going to pod during the week next week, so we'll definitely talk about Villanova and then maybe touch on St. John's briefly uh, before we get out of here. But uh, So Monday against Villanova, by the way, a 1.30 p.m. tip for uh, Martin yep. Luther King Day, so this game will be on Fox. Um, so hopefully you have the day off and you can watch, but if not, hopefully you're working from home or just have a television in your office uh, where you can pay attention to the game. Students are back. That's exciting. Dwayne Wade's going to be in the house. Yep. That's also exciting. Um, Villanova is the opponent. Villanova is, uh, let's see, what are they? They're 4-1 and one in the league right now. Mm-hmm. Um, now, granted, two of those wins are over DePaul, but it is what it is. They uh, they they have defeated Creighton. Their one loss is to St. John's. Um, so this, is, this Villanova team has some good wins, but some three head-scratching losses all to teams from the greater Philadelphia area because they've lost to Penn, they've lost to St. Joe's, and they've lost to Drexel. Um, Weird team, and it's hard to predict which team will show up, but I guess you could say that about both teams, Phil. Yeah, yeah. well, and that's the thing is, like, you know, Villanova is is a little bit Jekyll and Hyde, and they they definitely have – every game I've seen of them, they have moments where their offense just turns off and, and they struggled defensively. Now they they usually get back on course, but but they they certainly have struggles throughout. And I, I'm not saying it's the the Spider-Man pointing at each other meme at all, because I think um, you know I think these are two different teams. They're structured differently, um, but it, it is going to represent you know a unique challenge. Because honestly, if if we were playing the way we we normally have played this season. I would be pretty confident with a um, a Marquette win over Villanova, but given you know what this team is right now, I, it, you could tell me it's going to be a double digit loss, and I would believe you, right? Like I just yeah, I don't know, I don't know what what to look at. Yeah, I, I was looking at those uh, three weird losses for Villanova, and I will say one thing that happened in most of those losses is the opposing team shot very well from three. Drexel was 8 of 16, so they were 50%. Uh, St. Joe's was a scorching 14 for 27 from three. Mm. That'll get you beat. And it, I would love to see Marquette pull out a 14 for 27. <laughs> but uh, And then the the uh, the Penn game, Penn, I mean, they weren't like, I mean, they were good. They just weren't like, that level, but they were seven of seventeen from three, um, and Villanova did not shoot the ball well at all in that game. So, uh, I don't know if it's a, it says something about how Villanova defends the three, or just uh, maybe they just had some unlucky games where teams were just firing up threes and knocked them home. I would love to see the three point shooting wake up on Monday, though. I think we all would. Um, right. And that's again, I feel like that's the one thing we keep coming back to. Phil is Marquette's a good team that just is just shooting terrible from three-point shooting, and there's just no real reason for it to be as bad as it's been. I mean, they're dead last in Big East play in three-point shooting, 27%. Their three-point shooting as a team overall is down to 31.7 for the year. That ranks 245th in the country at Ken Palm. Yuck. So, again, now, Ken Palm, Villanova's three-point percentage defense, not great. Uh, It's, again, a lot of luck goes into that, but they rank 218th in the country on three-point percentage defense. I'm hoping that's where it starts. And if Marquette could just get some confidence from behind the arc from a few guys, 
gosh, I, I hope this thing flips around and they can get a win over a team that's actually been playing pretty well. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, if you if you click on the conference only stats, like it, it is a starkly different um, different approach. So so basically, that says, hey, we're only looking at the data from conference play. Um, now for Marquette, that's a what that's a, a five game um, set. Same for Villanova. So it's still relatively small sample size. But you know, Mar- uh, Marquette has the second best defense in Big East play. Um, Villanova's got the third best offense. Um, Villanova's got the third best defense and Marquette's got the 10th best offense, right? So we are either Georgetown or DePaul is playing better offense in Big East play than we are at this point. Woof. Yeah. So that's bad, right? Um, but again, you know, and, it, and it's almost predominantly a result of the effective field goal percentage, um, where we're, we're ninth in the conference and our three point shooting is dead last in conference play, 27.3%. Yeah. So, again, you know, if Cam, Tyler, and David can shoot at normal rates, it's a quick and easy fix, right? Like, we're not going to shoot. If they're shooting normally, we're not going to shoot 27% for three in this game. Um, Having said that, I'm not – and this is probably the same thing they're thinking. I don't have confidence that they're going to shoot better than 27.3% from three. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> I wish I could tell you it's going to turn around, but it's not. That's why I, it, it makes me nervous for this game. Um, I I think Marquette's better, but what I've seen in the last month, I don't know if I can justify that. Right. Um, I just don't know if this funk is going to go away this soon. And plus, again, are the freshmen ready for the, these larger roles against a team like Villanova, who, um, again, like they've – I mean – they're a top 30 defense overall for the season on Kent Palm. They're a top 50 offense. Now those numbers, uh, both they're both a slightly. Uh, let's see, their offense overall is only one spot better than Marquette overall for the season. Um, their defense, though, trails by quite a bit. Marquette still has a top 11 defense in the sport. So as I guess my th- one factor for me is obviously we started the three point shooting, but the other thing is if the three point shooting is not there. Will it affect their effort on the other end? Right. It didn't affect. It didn't for the most part in the Butler game, but towards the later we got in the second half, it did, and that's why Butler was able to win so comfortably. So my hope for Marquette in this Villanova game, number one, obviously shoot better. Number two, if they don't, don't let it affect them on the other end. And if you can still guard at a high level, maybe you can scratch out a win here. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And and it'll be interesting. It'll be a test test of our depth because unlike you know. Uh, Villanova ga- uh, teams of the past, um, there's not a five or six players that are dominant, right? Like the roster, if you're looking at it from a percentage standpoint of minutes played, no one other than Eric, you know, Eric Dixon is the the leading point getter on that team who feels like he's been in college for 37 years. Um, we should probably call him a doctor at this point. Um, he only gets 69% of the total minutes per Ken Palm. So, um, again, they, nice. they they run, you know, they run eight-ish players out there, right? So, you know, if they push push pace and stuff like that, that could that could wear on Marquette's uh, on Marquette's um, you know uh, depth and stuff like that. But this is all going to come down to can the core five, right? Oso, Stevie, Tyler, Cam, Joplin, can they put together quality minutes that result in quality looks? And then can they, you know, 
And then can Lowry and Trey come in, provide minutes without doing anything bad? If, if those things are yes, I think Marquette wins. If either one of those are no, I think we struggle. And if both of those things are no, I think we get blown out. Yeah. Can they trust the process? Right. Right? Like, those same looks that were there, shoot it again. And hopefully you're getting better results because, again, they got a lot of good looks. Um, trust the process. And I'm sure that's something they're saying, both Shaka and Nevada Smith. Just trust the process. Keep, Don't be afraid to take a good shot. But make sure you do take a good shot. And don't let it affect you in the other. But, yeah, th- there's – I got no feel for this. If – if I, if I could gamble on sports, I would not touch this one. I wouldn't go anywhere near right. it. Because um, yeah. I, I just have no idea what version of either team is showing up. But uh, I, I'm just going to hope, fingers crossed, knock on wood, that Marquette just gets something going and can scratch out a win at home. Because, right. yeah, they need something. Yep. Dwayne Wade's in the house, for crying out loud. Yeah, there should be some energy right now. And and come in, and I, I'm sure the 5 serve form will be warm because it's going to be – a balmy seven degrees with a wind chill of 25 below on Monday. So, you know, uh, you know, put on your booties outside because it, or put your booties on because it's going to be cold outside. Yeah, that sounds rough. Yeah. That sounds rough. Now, what I will say for later in the week, I'm feeling a loss coming to St. John's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah. even if they do fix something a little bit against Villanova, St. John's is playing well, road environment. Marquette has not played on the road at all since Hawaii and again I think the depth will be tested I uh, I just don't feel good about this coming Saturday um, the, the against uh, the Johnnies Cause the, the will, I will say that will be the Johnnies third game in three days or third game in a week I should say mm. uh, so maybe their legs would be a little tired but um, St. John's is playing well, and I think uh, Rick Pitino's guys are starting to buy, they're buying in, they're figuring it out, they're 4-1 in the league. Um, they've I mean, they've got some nice wins. I mean, they beat they beat Nova, they beat Providence. Their only loss is to Connecticut. And it was a close loss. Um, Connecticut, who I'm assuming is going to be number one in the country on Monday. Uh, how are you feeling about uh, going to New York on Saturday, Phil? I don't feel great. Um, again, to your point, I think you, you hit on it all. I mean, first of all, you know, St. John's does play, they play the fastest pace in, in the Big East, right? So that's that's going to be a, a challenge to be sure, especially with our depth. Um, you know, Rick Patino is a great coach. I mean, he might be, uh, of all the coaches that are left, you know, still coaching, he's he's a top three, top five coach, right? Um, all time. Easily. Easily. And, and so, you know, I'm not saying he's going to, like, he's a head and shoulders coach better than, than Shaka or whatever, but I'm just saying he's a good coach. He's got the team bought in. Marquette is going through some mental stuff. So I, I would say I would expect a loss. And, um, you know, maybe if Marquette gets its, its, its act together, that results in um, – you know, maybe Marquette goes on a tear and starts to feel good about itself, but I wouldn't expect that. I expect a Marquette loss, tough environment, going on the road, uh, up in their heads. Um, and St. John's yeah. always, always plays Marquette tough. Always. Yeah. You, and St. John's an elite offensive rebounding, this team. Uh, yeah. Team this year, I should say. They're number three in the country, uh, grabbing their own 
own misses. And so and that's been a weakness for Marquette all year is uh, the glass. So that's one thing when I'm looking at St. John's resume, best thing on there is their offensive rebounding. Of course, that's led by Joel Soriano. I think, like, really the only guy left over from the uh, Mike Anderson administration because um, Patino really kind of cleaned house and brought in a bunch of other guys. But uh, he'll be a problem. Uh, and, yeah, I, I think you kind of touched on it there. Just the environment, uh, St. John's playing with confidence. Uh, again, they've got three games. Uh, we're recording this on Saturday, so they've still got Creighton on Saturday. They've got Seton Hall on Tuesday, so that's two road games, and they'll be coming home to play Marquette. So a uh, tough stretch for St. John's, but, um, again, the way they're playing right now, the way Marquette's playing right now, there was no way I was going to come on this podcast and predict two wins this week. Right. Uh, it's much more, well, likely to predict, much more likely to predict two losses, and if I, that's certainly more likely than two wins. But I'm going to cross my fingers and hope for one and one. Uh, they, they, hopefully they get it done against Nova on Monday, but uh, – yeah, I'm going to say they come back to earth on Saturday against St. John's. Yeah, big breaking news. They did, St. John's did lose to Creighton in Omaha today. Oh, they did? Yeah, yeah. Okay. 66-55, so bit of a bit of a uh, uh, a close one. So, you know, not a strong start for St. John's, but even knowing that, again, I stand with, I expect a loss, um, but will it'll be kind of a prove the medal, where are we mentally, um, you know, because – because there could be you, we could stack some losses, right? Like, um, you know, we've we've got two Absolutely. in a row from Seton Hall and Butler. We could lose at home to Nova, and then you get a loss at at St. John's. I mean, we could we could be on a 0-4 skid here pretty quickly. Not not to bum people out, but you know, again, it is what it is. We gotta we gotta talk about where the team is in the moment uh, versus where they yeah, could I be mean- a month from now. Yeah, I mean, I hope it doesn't come to this, but one of the most annoying things about the previous administration was they lost six out of seven almost every season, the last three seasons. Uh, looking at, they already lost two. They got Nova St. John's this week. That would be four in a row. They got DePaul. Then uh, they got a rematch with Seton Hall. Then Nova again. I mean, I certainly hope it doesn't come to that, but if you tell me they lose six out of those seven games, I wouldn't say, oh, no, there's no way that happens. Right. Um uh, I mean, there's they, they got some hopefully get right games against DePaul and Georgetown mixed in there, but uh, yeah, there, there's the old cliche. I mean, there's no nights off really in the Big East when you're looking at down the road. You, okay, well we got to get things fixed, but we got to play Nova twice over the next few weeks, and we got St. John's and Seton Hall team that beat you the first time, and then you got two games, you know, Nova, and then get, a month from now we're gonna be playing Connecticut, so. <laughs> There's no chance to breathe. There's no buy teams that you could sn- right. sneak in here and uh, get everything right, and you can't make any you know trades or sign any free agents to bring anybody in. Um, this is the team you're running with, and so you got to get it fixed with what you got in house. So, yeah, team's got to lock in, man, because otherwise they could they could be in for a rough ride with if they if the depth thing does not get solved by some uh, contributions from the freshmen and uh, of course the starter. It, it starts with eleven and one, right? I mean, I mean. Tyler and Cam have got to get right because uh, mm-hmm. if, if they don't, uh, the season's not going to go anywhere. That's the bottom line. No matter what you're going to be getting off the bench, if somebody surprises you, if the starters don't play at the level that they have been expected to play at all season, the way they were playing in November, nothing else is going to matter. Yeah. Well, I, I'll say, you know, especially this Villanova game, this is the real test of the culture and of Shaka's approach, right? Because, um, again, we're saying, you know, may, and maybe Nevada and 
and Shaka find a fix that we can't see, right? That's why they're paid millions of dollars and we aren't. Um, but that aside, let's say that we were though. Oh, I, I would do it. Um, but like, if, you know, if, if there isn't anything other than play through it, trust the process, this is Villanova is going to be the test, especially that first shot that goes up and misses. This is going to be the test. Do they lock back in and get it done? Right. Um, because they are fully capable of going on a five game winning streak here, but they're going to have to lock in with Nova and that'll, that'll tell us the tape. I think we'll know a lot after Monday. Yep. If I, you know, if they bounce back and like they're able to scratch out a win against Nova, you may see a path forward. If they come out on Monday and get blown out, um, I think we can kind of see where the season's going to go. Yep, I think that's right. All right. On that happy note, mm-hmm. uh, you can always hit us up with your feedback uh, on uh, Twitter. Uh, X Twitter. I'm Joe McCann three. Phil is M O O O F 23 at crack sidewalks. It's the team handle. You can go to cracksidewalks.com. We post a podcast there where you can leave your comments and remember to rate review and subscribe Apple podcasts and Spotify. Phil, I hope the power stays on. I hope you were able to enjoy. Uh, are you going to the Nova game on Monday or no? I sure am. And in fact, no red for Owen is attending as well because the daughter for some reason had, does not have MLK off. But the wife character and uh, No Red for Owen do have the day off, so it's uh, the three of us going to the game. So I'm excited. Oh, lovely. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I hope you guys have a good time, and I hope you guys see a W. Yeah. Well, uh, the, the boy child does seem to bring wins, so that's that's what I'm hanging my head oh. on. Well, if they win, uh, again, along with uh, Ben's, uh, you know. Wearing a Marquette, Marquette shirt, yeah. Maybe, we, yeah. we, maybe we, have t- we have two solutions. Ben always yeah. wears his shirt. And Owen always attends a game. So maybe that'll fix everything. Uh, if, if only it were that simple. <laughs> I wish it was. But until next time, everybody, enjoy your weekend. Uh, seashells and balloons. <laughs>